Welcome to The Grounded Catholic, the podcast of Catholic Who's at the University of Virginia. I'm Father Joseph Anthony Kress, and on today's episode, Corinne and I talk about a place that is very, very fond to the both of us. It's the, the homeland of Saints Faustina, St. John Paul II, St. Maximilian Kolbe, and many, many others. We're getting a chance to talk about Poland. We take the time to kind of tell stories and reflect about our experiences as pilgrims in that country, both at World Youth Day in the summer of 2016, as well as leading our students back to this country on pilgrimage last summer. So hope you enjoy the discussions, the stories, and our reflection. Um, Happy Divine Mercy Week. Uh, We we celebrate the octave of Easter, right? the eight days of Easter that uh, kind of ends and culminates in Divine Mercy Sunday. Like that's one of the, my favorite weeks throughout the year, but we don't continue celebrating the octave of Divine Mercy, which I think we should start doing. Like, A whole octave yeah, for Divine why not? Mercy? Let's do eight days of Divine Mercy. I think JP2 would be on board with that. I think so too. Okay. I mean, I know our Lord only asked for one day of celebration, and but like, let's just keep the party going for eight days. Well, I mean, he did say his mercy reaches to the heavens. Right. So uh, heaven's eternal. So his mercy's eternal. His so mercy endures forever. Every day. Yeah. Divine Mercy Sunday. <laughs> well, that, yeah. So I don't know. We're we're in the midst of what's well, been four or five days since um, Divine Mercy Sunday. But I want to just keep referring it, to it as the octave of Divine Mercy. So we're still within it. So happy Divine Mercy octave <laughs> to you. <laughs> Um, and with your spirit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So um, how, how was your Divine Mercy Sunday? The day itself, not necessarily octave. Let's go back to the day. Oh, my gosh. If I start talking about it too much, I'm going to cry. I, there's tissues right next to you. I know. Thank you. There's also whiskey right next to you. So that's good. <laughs> I'm not saying either of those are connected. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, Okay. Divine Mercy Sunday. Divine Mercy Sunday was a dream. First of all, I love Divine Mercy Sunday. I have been doing for the past four years, three, four years, the consecration to Divine Mercy, Father Mm -hmm. Michael Gately's 33 Days to Merciful Love. Okay. So that's been a special day for me just in general. But this Divine Mercy Sunday, um, a few things. First of all, you invited me to Mass. That happened. Holy crap. That <laughs> was amazing. Um, it wasn't holy crap. It was holy, everything good and beautiful and true. Um, but I did not realize how much I missed mass until I was there. Um, cried the whole time. Messed up the first reading um, because I was <laughs> so <laughs> overwhelmed. What What was the the mess up where did you mess up i i like i skipped a line and i looked looked back or like i i looked to the next line and i was like wait but i didn't read that line but now i just read this line what do i do (laughs) i think it flowed together i don't know just make sure you don't start crying again corinne not on the camera (laughs) i'm just happy you didn't mess up like reading from paul to the colossians hey colossians (laughs) (laughs) how are you Well, we have very different ideas of a, a liturgical lecture mess up. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have improvised the reading. You just shoot from the hip. <laughs> it would have been great. 
<laughs> Still eating fish, I see. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the word of the Lord. <laughs> It would have been so good, but no, you didn't. You didn't do that. You were about that whenever you asked me to lecture again. You better believe it. Oh, this is the worst. Now I'm gonna be trying not to like cry because I'm laughing so hard. Great. Well, but you you got to go to mass. You got to. I got to read go to mass. I got to pray. From Holy Scripture I got to as a lector. Yeah, that was beautiful. Um, and honestly, earlier in the day, like it was just filled with so many gifts and like getting to receive Jesus was probably the highlight. But I was just very um, kind of caught up in being a part of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so earlier in the day, we've talked a lot about World Youth Day. We've Absolutely. talked a lot about Poland. And um, for the record, we're both big fans, big, big fans, big of Poland. fans. Um, but <laughs> earlier in the day, um, the group that I went with to World Youth Day, the community of the Beatitudes, um, we had a Skype session um, for all the pilgrims to join in. So part of um, part of the pilgrimage, it was just American pilgrims, and then we joined with international pilgrims. And so some of these people I keep up with regularly and then others like there was a young Swiss German um, brother that had just been ordained eight months ago as a priest. Wow. And so he was hilarious during the trip and he actually showed up on the Skype and like gave us like a, a reflection and meditation on mercy. And it was so special because we haven't done that um, before. I've seen people individually. We've usually done reunions at focus conferences, but it was so beautiful just to have this like very powerful reminder of um, because the theme of world youth day was blessed are the merciful. So the whole theme was mercy. Do you remember that song? That's what they played. That's what they played uh, during the Skype session. When I made up my own lyrics to it. I'm sure you did. Yeah, I'll tell you those later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh wait, no, we talked about that. Um, Wasn't spaghetti part of it? Spaghetti was, it was like cup of spaghetti. (laughs) We want spaghetti. Oh, no. <laughs> Lyrics were in Polish. I don't understand it, but yeah. it was fine. Blessed are the merciful. Um, yeah, so that was such a huge gift. We got to pray together. We got to sing together. We got to share stories and memories. And um, so, yeah, the whole day was experiencing the body of Christ in every single aspect. So it's been four years. Yeah, 2016. 2016. It was summer of 2016. July. Yeah. It's been almost four years, and this is the first time that you guys have gotten together on a Skype session, like you said, like as a as a full group. Yes, there were there were around ninety of us, wow. um, American pilgrims, and then there were probably another three or four hundred international pilgrims that were with us at different points. So, yeah, there are a lot of us. Um, I know the two of us have. So, I mean, this is we've we've talked a lot about this, but. Um, just the kind of chaos and the craziness of the fact that both of us were at World Youth Day in 2016 in yes. Poland in the same locations and had yes. no idea. Absolutely. And and for you and for me, that, that World Youth Day experience was very transformative. Yes. For us. And I, it's funny to think about, I brought this up when we were sharing stories about where we were at. 
um, or where we're at now and how World Youth Day has influenced us. And I was like, well, uh, my chaplain was running some of the main events at World Youth Day and he had a very powerful experience just like I did. And that was one of the main reasons um, why I thought like, oh, wow, like I see I see how God could be bringing me to UVA to work with this chaplain who also like is very passionate about like mercy Poland. Like we had very yeah. similar experiences. It was just a cool Holy spirit moment. So if world youth day didn't happen, maybe I wouldn't be here. No, I mean, that, that's, that's a real thing. Um, yeah. How God works in mysterious ways, how um, he puts us in, in places at similar times, but not even realizing it only to, I mean, that that's what like planting seeds is all about. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and what, I think for each of us began, um, I don't know if you want to say like kind of new seeds or the strengthening of roots in either way, but what began in Poland, I think has really um, continued in our ministry here. And it just is such a, I don't know, for me, it, it's a wonderful thing because that is a shared experience that we both have and we right. both can talk about our our time over there, the our experiences, even though we were not proximate to each other. We didn't even know who each other were were at the time. Right. But we have that as a real and shared experience. Right. We were we participated in many of the same things, but in very different ways. Very, very different ways. Yeah. So do you wanna I don't know, let's let's share some stories. Some let's fun put this in context. Yeah. Okay, so, so <laughs> <laughs> what brought you to World Youth Day, Father? So I I ended up at World Youth Day because I was collaborating with the Knights of Columbus. Um, the Knights of Columbus were given the responsibility of running a few different catechetical sites through World Youth Day. And if you haven't been to World Youth Day before, there are the big major papal events, which are in large venues, mostly outdoor venues and parks. But throughout the rest of the week, there are smaller um, catechesis sites that do a lot of the formation and experience of World Youth Day. Those are all broken down according to languages. Right. So there's a French catechesis site. There's an English one, multiple Polish ones, and even multiple English ones. But it's all according to language. Right. And most of those occur in the local parishes. Right. Correct? Correct. Um different venues but poland was unique and or m- most times that world youth days in a european city there are the catechesis sites are in local parish churches because they can house pilgrims and the, the um, number of people in there we were given the responsibility to run the largest um english or the largest catechesis site um for english pilgrims which was a twenty thousand seat indoor arena um, the largest indoor arena in in the city of Krakow itself, which was then turned into the Mercy Center, and that was just for the English language pilgrims there. Most of them were American. Uh, we had a few Australians and a few uh, Canadians and stuff like that, but it was mostly American pilgrims for that week. And what role did you play in this? I um, I helped to organize and plan the liturgies for the entire um, venue. So overseeing the mass adoration confessions uh, for the entire week of World Youth Day. 
That's a huge job. Yeah. <laughs> Just to sprinkle and pepper this in, I was two months ordained a priest at that point. I can't even imagine on so many levels. I can't imagine what it's like to be a priest, but that whole experience just sounds like the most extra it was insane. gift that Absolutely God could insane. give you. So yeah, to then the experience that we, we can talk about. So like my experience of World Youth Day then was a very behind the scenes experience. Um, right. I very rarely got to take part of any of the major um events or go from I, I was I didn't experience that as a pilgrim I experienced it as a, a worker in that sense um, because I was very much behind the scenes I spent the entire week leading up to the Holy Father's arrival um, in a locker room office in this arena oh my gosh yeah I mean working um, 14 16 hour days um, in this arena, never going outside and just planning out everything. Um, so yeah, my experience was one of behind the scenes um, where I think you experienced it much more on the pilgrim level. Absolutely. Yeah. I So I, I travel with the community of the Beatitudes and they are a um, religious community with priests um, and brothers and and sisters religious sisters and then some lay members and they're based out of France so we actually spent um, about two and a half three weeks prior to World Youth Day pilgrimaging through France so we were like extreme pilgrims as soon as we got to Poland we're like we we already got this so we pilgrimaged as a U.S. group um, for about three weeks prior to World Youth Day then we arrived in Poland at Czestochowa met with the international pilgrims from the community of the Beatitudes, so added about 350, I think, to our number. And then from there, um, we divided into some smaller groups um, and traveled throughout Poland and then ended up in Krakow for World Youth Day. So we, yes, we were very much pilgrims. We were on the ground. We walked everywhere. We didn't have phones. We had maps. So we found our way to places by following a paper map. Um, it was like Dora the Explorer. Exactly. And we all had backpacks. Nice. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So I actually, I only spent one day in the Tauron arena. Mm -hmm. And because the community of the Beatitudes is based out of France, we were with a French um, catechesis group out of a local parish, actually a well, we can talk about this later, but it was a parish that was right next to where we stayed um, when we did our, our Poland pilgrimage this year. Mm -hmm. Very special. Very, very <laughs> special to us. <laughs> but it, it, it's interesting because you said you went like straight to Czestochowa. Yes. And then came into the city of Krakow and, and all that fun stuff. We literally, like the group that I went with um, after Czestochowa, we divided into two groups. My group, we spent five days on a walking pilgrimage mm -hmm. from Czestochowa to Krakow. So you walked from Czestochowa to Krakow? Yes, yeah, over 100 miles in five days. So like every part of it was extreme pilgrimaging. <laughs> yeah. I, on the other hand, landed at the uh, the airport, got shoved into a taxi cab, and went down to the uh, city center and went to the Knights of Columbus office and then ended up getting in another taxi cab and going to Waganiki 
at the sanctuaries of divine mercy mm. meeting sister gaudia our dear friend yes um and a, a few other sisters there and was able to receive a relic of saint faustina that would be then able for veneration to the pilgrims in the arena so like that was my first oh, task my gosh. right wow and um y- you'll get a kick out of this so then after that that kind of day's work had dinner and all that stuff I, by this point i've been up for almost 30 hours because uh, i was working on the flight over like i worked the entire flight over on my laptop like color coding the arenas seating sections and all that stuff for communion and then um after having dinner i go to my hotel which is right across the street from the tower on arena and get up the next morning they said hey we have a meeting at 8 a.m be at the arena a few minutes before 8 a.m i was like okay i walk into the arena and see father john rosenbacher who's one of the other priests who's helping to organize it and he says yeah i need you in this meeting now i said okay who is it he goes it's with the american consulate general and we go through a security plan of the arena less than 24 hours after i'd stepped foot into that country Oh my god. So like that was my first experience of World Youth Day was having like national security meetings. Oh my god. In our meeting in, in our arena talking about, you know, where we can set up secured lines of communication. So if people need uh, passports printed or they need background checks and all that kind of stuff, doing that in our arena. Um while you were walking from Chestahova down to the city. That's what I was doing. Wow. Yes, we had very very different experiences but what's great and somewhat hilarious is how deeply impactful each of those were for us and I think they speak a lot to our personalities too and ways that we find joy and receive life which are very different (laughs) a hundred and fifty ten percent like very different but for both of us very life-giving yeah so i don't know if you have any story i mean we could go on for hours we could do an entire podcast just on world youth day in poland maybe this will be that podcast maybe we just keep talking about it oh no i mean hey i still have schoolwork to do so uh, uh come on um but i don't know if you have any particular story that you would enjoy sharing with our dear listeners so many um well let, let's not do all of them we can i think one that's going to speak to the difference of the two of us right okay how how i receive life and and you know what's life giving to me um which is very different from what's life giving to you but why we complement each other well um the first day that our arena was open for american pilgrims mm-hmm. so if i remember correctly Monday, we had, um, I think Monday we had Australian pilgrims. Tuesday, we had Canadian pilgrims. Wednesday, we had American pilgrims. I think think that was the progression of it. Anyway, the first day that we had American pilgrims was going to be the first day that we had a full arena for mass. And there was a lot of craziness leading up to that. And we were looking at of an arena of roughly 20,000 um, seating capacity because we had closed off a few sections but then opened up the floor so it kind of equaled each other out. And I was in charge of the distribution of communion. That was one of the major tasks that I had to do was plan and execute the distribution of communion Wow! to 20,000 people. That sounds like 
my worst nightmare. Mm-hmm. And I put a lot of thought into this, had a whole system planned out. And, you know, not only is it getting community to these people, but um, all of the Saboria were coming from the stage level, which was floor level. And then some of the, our largest sections were, I think, um, sections that sat 370 per section. And those were up in the C level. So that's the third level, which is technically four levels above the floor. And so we had to get oh, wow. priest with Saboria up to those levels. And it was, you know, charts. And I had every elevator numbered and paths to those elevators. It was, it was absurd. Do you kind of find it funny that the highest level was C level? <laughs> <laughs> no, I never thought of that until right now. Oh my gosh! Also, I I numbered and named all of them, so like oh, I never like I had what I had floor you level didn't... A, B, and C level. But now that you're saying that, because I just went by numbered sections, I'm like C eighteen, C twenty two, like all of that. But I never thought C level. But that's that is hilarious. Now that you say it, that's where we're at. This um, is the most hilarious thing we've encountered today. <laughs> Not really, um, but anyway. So after doing all of that. And then it, once you get in the throes of that kind of chaos, you're just go, 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 go. And it's putting out fires and answering questions, especially once the communion rite begins in the distribution communion. I'm over, overseeing all of this and calling the shots and making sure everybody gets where they're going, taking the sense of the pulse on each section and, and how the communion flows going, all that stuff. And then as soon as it gets done, you have to, you know, kind of end all of that and then get ready for the recessional which is immediately after that. So there's no time to breathe. That sounds very stressful. Yes. Um, but I was in the midst of it and calling the shots for all of that fun stuff. And I remember being in the hallways after everything was done. And I wanted to keep times on things because this was the very first time. So it would kind of gauge how long we wanted it. Um, I had set a goal for myself that I wanted um, to be able to dis- to make sure that doesn't, carry on longer than what it should i wanted to get it done between 15 and 18 minutes okay so yeah so we're standing in the hallway and i direct the bishops to their to their vesting room the main celebrant to his and make sure that everything's done and it's still kind of chaotic after mass because a lot is happening you're transitioning to the next event there's a lot of on-stage transition that's happening overseeing all of that fun stuff and i turned to my buddy father patrick who was also um he had a heck of a lot more responsibilities than i did but i turned to him and i said how long did communion take and he looked at me and said under 15 whoa and I collapsed on that point. Like, I, I kid you not, I just dropped and, like, fell to my knees. And there were two sisters of life who were right next to me. <laughs> and they just, like, they picked me up. And, like, Patrick gave me a big hug. He was like, it went perfectly. Wow. And so to be able to distribute communion to 20,000 people in less than 15 minutes was a huge accomplishment. Especially to do it right out of the gate the first time. There was no dry run. There was no practice. No nothing. Wow. It was all just like, if this is going to work, it's going to work because of my planning and my design. And it did. Man. And so like, that was like something that was really life giving to me. It was like, yeah, I can do this. And this was amazing. And okay, we can just keep with this momentum going and stuff like that. Mm. There were a hundred other like very beautiful spiritual moments that I can talk about <laughs> in other podcasts. But like when we talked about the differences between you and I, how we experienced World Youth Day. 
Right. That's something that's very particular to me, but it was a very life-giving moment to me. Wow. Father, that's beautiful. Man. Yeah, I uh, I would have been driven insane by something like that. Um, so you were definitely the right the right priest for the job. Um, man, I'm trying to think of, of, of something that can highlight, yeah, how, how different we are. I mean, there were just, there were a million memories. It's something that I go back to nearly daily. I, yeah, I second that too. (laughs) I'm still unpacking graces Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. from that time. Um, from World Youth Day in particular, there was one moment, um, well, one moment that is standing out right now in the moment. And so this was the evening of adoration in the giant field, like the camp out that they do. So most the vigil. these days, yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Most, if not all, I think. Yeah. Um, they do an open air outdoor vigil of adoration. And you camp out in yep. there. Yeah. Camp out until mass the next morning on yes. Sunday. Yes. Yeah. And you like pick up food on the way. Like that's part of you know, the whole world used to experience, you do a walking pilgrimage to this site, which is usually like, I know they've done it in Colorado. I visited um, the community of the Beatitudes we visited and camped out in that site right before we flew overseas. Um, so we were kind of used to like, okay, and most world youth days, like it's kind of, you don't know what you're going to get because it happens rain or shine, um, yep. which is, is terrifying. And I love camping, but you're not trekking with a bunch of tents. You're trekking with a sleeping bag and at a best. ground pad. Yeah, yeah at best. At best. Um, so everything that you bring in is what you need to sustain yourself for the next 24 hours, um, which includes like clothing, sleeping arrangements, food, um, which food was played a very big role in my experience of this evening but I knew as soon as I heard about World Youth Day in Poland that was something that immediately was put on my heart like that is what I want to do I'm so excited Mm -hmm. to do an outdoor vigil like outdoors how beautiful is that it's it's 100% on brand for you yeah well it's God's cathedral the natural cathedral um don't roll your eyes oh my gosh they would have never known unless you said that what do you mean (laughs) um so yes um yeah we we walked out there it was exhausting it was super hot there were um polish families that we were walking through the neighborhoods and they just turned their hose on and just started spraying the crowds because they knew we were overheating and it was like a bottleneck to get into this campsite um everybody's coming from all over the city of krakow and funneling to these like you know, couple of streets that lead you into. It was like 2.2 or 2.3 million. Yes. Uh, yes. I, I didn't look at the final numbers, but we were told it was several million. It was over two. Mm-hmm. And I forget if it was like 2.2 or 2.3. Okay. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Yeah. So massive, massive endeavor. And you all had your little sections that you reported to, and you had a ticket that would let you into that section. And, um, I remember getting there and at one point we were stuck in this crowd. We hadn't moved in half an hour and 
I had no idea why we had stopped. And it was because there was people were waiting in line to pick up a food bag. So part of your World Youth Day ticket, if you went to the overnight um, vigil, was they would give you a giant drawstring bag filled with food. So there was canned food, there was bottled water, there was, you know, other drinks and like things that you would eat to like sustain you through dinner, breakfast and lunch of the next day. Um, and people were waiting in line to get their food. And by the time we made it to the campsite, all of the food stations along the way had been cleared out. So we had to find a food station outside of, um, the camp. Yeah. And I mean, it was like five o'clock. We had only brought like snacks for lunch because we were hoping of stopping along the way. So we're starving. We're physically exhausted. Heat exhaustion is setting into, uh, we got in around 5 p.m. I think the vigil started. Did it start at like 8, 7 yeah. or 8? Yeah, it was, it was, I think it was about 8 because they wanted it to be dark. Right, right. Or So like it was right around dusk. Right, when, but when it, it didn't, like the sun, it was still light on the horizon at right. 11 p.m. Um, so anyways, me and six or seven others of from the pilgrims collected about 35 tickets from the other pilgrims. So you had a, a food ticket that you would hand in and right. in exchange it would give you a drawstring bag. So we decided um, we were feeling pretty good. Other people were really struggling. So we decided to collect as many as we could. We averaged, we could probably carry about five bags each. Um, so we went and we just decided that we have no idea where these food stations are, but we will take one for the team and we'll go out and we'll find it. We walked outside of the campground. We went to, um, uh, they had gates where you could come in and go out. Well, you couldn't use one gate for both. You would go out from one gate and they said you had to walk all the way around to the opposite end to come in during in another gate. It was like typically like a half mile yes. between an exit and entrance. And they warned you when you went out, like, just so you know, once you step across this line, you cannot get back in unless you walk a very long distance. So I had put on my camp shoes, which were these tiny little roll-up shoes, um, which were great. Um, I thought we would be walking on grass. Uh, <laughs> that ended up not being the case. Nope. So I remember we walked to this one food station. There was a massive line. We stood in line for over an hour. And then these horns started blaring. These sirens started going off. And turns out that food station had run out and they had to send us all away. So we had no idea where to go. We just start walking and looking for people with food and ask them, beg them, where did you come from and where can we get that? And most people, because most people did understand English, like food, where? Yeah. <laughs> um they nom would, noms point yes yeah. <laughs> they they would look at us and they would like get this really sad look on their face and they would point just in some general direction and be like very far very far <laughs> and we're like okay <laughs> so we reached a point like are we going to do this and we decided to commit so nope we have all these people's food tickets they're not going to get food unless we get it for them so we start walking and we walk and we walk and we walk and because this campground is so massive, they had to set up all of these like military stations, like, you know, oh, yeah. first ed or uh, first aid, <laughs> first aid, like med tents or first ed med tents. It's <laughs> like, here's how you do basic arithmetic <laughs> with blocks. Oh it's fine. my gosh. Um, it's been a long week. So 
uh, we're walking over all of this like giant construction gravel mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that all of these like military trucks can bring all of these supplies in. My feet are hurting so badly because um, right before we got to World Youth Day, we did a hundred over 100 miles in five days. So my feet were already pretty destroyed. And here I am walking in these very flimsy camp shoes with a they like the the soles of these shoes rolled up. They were very flimsy rubber. Um, so it was essentially, it felt like walking barefoot. Um, but if I stepped on broken glass, I wouldn't have been cut. So a little bit of a barrier. Um, so we walk and we see people and we're walking past, like, as we know we're getting closer, but we also see that the event is starting. There are lights and they look so far away. Like the horizon is glowing and we're like, that's where we're supposed to be. And that looks like it's 10 miles away. Um, And as we get closer, we see people who had done just what we had done, collected their whole group's um, collection of tickets, had gotten as many, realized they couldn't physically carry them, put them in crates or strung them up on two by fours that they then carried over their shoulders. We passed this one group that had a giant crate that they had on um, that were, I mean, filled up like each bag probably weighed at least five pounds um, because it was just filled with like cans and water. Um, and they had tied ropes to it and were dragging it through the streets and across these rocks. And it was such slow going and they were singing songs and encouraging and like yelling and like everyone was encouraging and singing to them. It was very joyful. But I remember thinking like, this was the thing that I was most excited for, for World Youth Day. And this is the thing that I'm missing. And I can't believe that. And I had this point where I was just griping to myself and I was like, I can't believe like this was the one thing that got me to sign up for World Youth Day and I'm missing it. And then I, th- I heard this like little, you know, prompting of the Holy Spirit just being like, what's the theme of World Youth Day? And I was like, blessed are the merciful. And he was like, what are you doing? It's like, we're getting food. <laughs> food for the hungry. Food for, and I was, and it, it, yeah, it dawned on me. I'm feeding the hungry. Yeah. And I yeah. am one of the hungry, but, but. I, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. This is exactly what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. It was miserable, but I've never experienced so much joy <laughs> in the suffering. In the like I bruised the bottoms of my feet. Like Aww. it was, I didn't know that that was possible. <laughs> We, at some one point, we were all so tired. We were stumbling under the weight of these, like, 35 bags of food. Um, and people just started, like, hey, tell me stories. Tell me about your family. Tell me about your pet. Like, uh, let's try and distract one another from the intense pain that we're in and how hungry we are. <laughs> it was it was ridiculous. And for groups of more, I think, than 10, they would give you a crate of apples and a crate of radishes. So on top of these bags of food, we were carrying crates of apples and radishes. There it is. Radishes. Yeah. Because who doesn't want to chomp into a raw radish? The Polish. The Polish. Yeah. Yeah. So I think from those experiences, which are horribly um, opposite of each other. (laughs) I don't know if I'd say horribly extremely opposite extremely you know i'm i I tend to be one of absolutes over here um we both decided last year to um like i said world youth day was transformative for each of us um and i think we'll probably end up doing a further podcast talking about the really transformative aspects of it um just pilgrimage in general yeah 
that we both wanted to share that with with our students yes and like this is something very early on that the two of us were just like yes we have to do this we have to go to poland we have to go to poland yeah and teach our students how to be pilgrims i know that was a big thing for you um Mm -hmm. and for me it was just immersing them within the polish culture and how rich it is and um the history of the polish people and how much it um you know how influential it was to forming um some of the best 20th century saints that we have saint faustina saint maximilian colby um saint john paul ii uh blessed years like those um those men and women were saint brother albert saint brother albert yeah um all five of them were the saints of world youth day but just just to see how that one culture influenced these men and women what we can learn from it um so last summer we took our first pilgrimage to poland um indeed we did it was amazing it was incredible something i will never ever forget and we were planning to do another one this year but uh coronaville happened and locked us down so not going to happen but we'll next year um all things considered but we we structured the pilgrimage to just be kind of minimalistic not a and this is something that i i learned from you and i think is or at least is a phrase i've taken from you that a pilgrimage is not spiritual tourism yes and i love that idea yeah um and so we only went to really two places but i mean kind of three we spent a brief time in Osvechem touring the um the prison camps of Auschwitz and Birkenau and then went down into the mountains in Zakopane spent an extended period of time in the mountains and then spent uh, spent an extended period of time in the city of Krakow so um kind of from that experience returning back to Poland now leading a pilgrimage not just being a pilgrim yourself continually being a pilgrim but leading a pilgrimage what was something about that like return trip that was important and kind of uh, beautiful for you? Wow. Um, first of all, the flood of memories. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that was so special. Um, I think getting to getting to go more in depth into the Polish culture um, was very important because I had spent a I had spent way more time in France prior to World Youth Day than I did in Poland. Interesting. Itself. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's fascinating. So the heart of my pilgrimage, the kind of meat of the pilgrimage, was spent in France, and that was like the very simple. That's when I was in a much smaller group. So World Youth Day itself was so overwhelming. I mean, so many people just packing the streets. Every church you walk into is just filled to the brim of pilgrims and as much as you want you felt very much like a tourist because everybody's just in lines to get to anything yep um so but i think um one of the most special days i mean and and this is kind of ironic because you know how much i love the outdoors you know how much i love the mountains and hiking yeah we spent like five days in the mountains and that was incredible I really, though, I felt like I experienced Jesus, like I I encountered Jesus and his mercy 
most tangibly though with the Sisters of Mercy in Krakow mm-hmm. at St. Faustina's Convent. Um, I had some very particular memories from World Youth Day there, but everything it was, I was standing in a line and in the chapel where her body is and where the image of divine mercy resides, you had, I think, 30 seconds in front of yeah. each. And then they just shuffled you along and it it felt like you were in a museum. It didn't feel like it, it felt holy and sacred, but it still felt like a tourist spot. And I remember they closed the doors to the chapel at 3 p.m. when I went for like during World Youth Day. And that was to allow those who were inside to pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet undisturbed. And we were, my group was the next in line. I remember I was there with um, four of my, or three of my my close friends. And we decided that we were going to just kneel in the gravel and pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet on our own. And that was like a very penitential thing. <laughs> like, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be picking rocks out of my knees for... Yeah, just having the doors of mercy like closed right in front of you. <laughs> That's not like symbolic or anything, is it? <laughs> oh, I hope not. Um, but it was so special getting to just stay in an empty church. I mean, it wasn't completely empty, but I could just, I had all the time in the world. Nobody was pushing you through. No, was, yeah. I could rest there. Um, and having the freedom to explore. And I had, I had some big intentions that I was carrying with me on the trip mm-hmm. and, a lot of them kind of related to to mercy, desiring God's mercy for people in my life and desiring to experience it myself in a tangible way. And that's where, like in that chapel and hearing the sisters talk, which you spoke about in your homily on Sunday, um, it, it like it, it was so like that space was so filled um, with memory Um from when I was there before, but the memories that I, I came back with from our pil- from our pilgrimage were um, so much more full because I had the time to just soak in the mercy. Um, and I mean, each sister that you meet, they just, they're glowing and... Uh, Polish sisters are a whole oh, nother level. Oh my gosh, Every single one. I'm going to cry. <laughs> I want to say a name, and it's going to bring me to tears. I know what you're going to say. Don't Sister Katarzyna. I love her so much. I think we should do a whole other episode on her. Just no, her. you can't. You can't even capture it. She's amazing. But, um, yeah, it's there's something very, very special over there. Yes. Yes, there is. And those, you know, I still have those slips of paper that they gave me. And the two that I had they weren't the same like yours, but there was a phrase in it that was similar. And it was like the phrase that resonated the most deeply with me. So, so on Monday I found the second slip. I knew I had it, but I couldn't mm-hmm. find it for Sunday, but I found both of them, the white and the green slip oh that had gosh. the same quote on them. Cause I knew I saved both of them. Wow. Wow. So yeah, that's a whole nother thing. Um, yeah. Our pilgrimage last year for me, was really special because that was actually the first time I got to be a pilgrim in in Poland because like I said my experience before was work you know it was very behind the scenes it was working long long hours I was on my feet all day but not because I was walking 100 miles 
which I probably ended up walking, you know, a similar distance, but I was walking indoors. Um, but I didn't get to go to Chestahova. I didn't get to go and see and venerate the body of blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati. I didn't get to venerate the body of St. Therese. Um, I didn't get to go to the mountains. I didn't do any of that. My entire experience of World Youth Day was in the Tower on Arena. Um, and maybe one or two times getting outside of that. But so now going back the second time, um, it was a really important thing for me um, to try my hardest. And um, I have a super devotion to St. John Paul II, which you know, um, and for many personal reasons. But one of the things that I did very early on when I got the call from my provincial to be assigned to UVA was I kind of consecrated my chaplaincy to him because it was his one of, not his very first, but one of his very early assignments as a priest was to the city of Krakow and to work with university students. Right. Yeah. And I said, all right, if I'm going to do this, you got to be my guide. Like I know, I don't, I know nothing else. Oh, um, wow. I had been to, I had been to Krakow for World Youth Day two months after I was a priest then maybe six months later than that, I get the assignment to come to UVA. And so I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I know I'm an idiot, but like, I have no idea what I'm doing. So I kind of gave my ministry to JP2. So then to go back to his home country and in a real way, not just visit the places that he lived or things that were important to him, but like we, we I felt in a real way, relived his life. Yes. Doing the things that were important to him in the places that were important to him at the very ages that were important to him. Yes. It felt like we were reliving the life of John Paul II again. Well, that's what pilgrimage is. It's walking in the footsteps of those who have gone before us. But not in a symbolic way. Like we were in a very real way doing it. Well, exactly. And that's what the heart of, I think, good pilgrimage is, is you aren't just yeah recreating things or but you are actually walking in the footsteps and we had so many opportunities during that trip where we walked in the literal footsteps of we walked the same trails we hiked the same um trails we went we took the same train lines yeah between cities that he would have taken and and like so it wasn't just the symbolic like oh let's try to re-envision what it would look like it's like no this is what he saw yeah and this is what he did in this exact location. And here we are doing the same thing. Right. Um, from just discussions I had with students to, like I said, the hikes that we went to and things like that. But what um, was a very sacred moment for me on that trip was uh, one of our final, I think it was our final day that we had mass in the city of Krakow. We went up to the Vavo Cathedral. And um, I stayed with my brothers at the Holy Trinity Priory downtown. So I was staying at a different location than the rest of the group. So I got to the cathedral before the group did. And I had arranged with the cathedral to have mass in the in the cathedral. And I had sent an email beforehand. And it, was, it was actually kind of, kind of late. It was just a few days before we departed that I sent an email. I was like, hey, can we have mass in the cathedral? And they were like, yeah, sure, whatever. This is the time. This is the only day it works. I'm like, great, we'll take it. Um, and so I had to get there early and go to the sacristy and stuff like that. And I had a very um, secret 
yeah, I mean, it was very secret because it was just in the interior of my heart. I hadn't talk, told anybody this, but I'd, um, one thing I learned from my time at World Youth Day and my time on this pilgrimage up to this point, that if there's something that you kind of want about it, you kind of just make it happen. <laughs> you know, you just kind of work your way into things and, and deal with the Polish sisters and just tell them what you want and they can just magically make things happen, you know? Um, but I didn't want to be as pushy. I've been working a lot of my life to not like rely as much on me making things happen. Um, but there's a specific chapel in there. It's um, the chapel where St. Saint, Saint John Paul II celebrated his first mass after he was ordained. Um, and so I forget right now. Do, do you remember the saint's name? I keep thinking St. Sebastian, but that's not the saint's name. Uh, the chapel's patronage. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't man, that's going to really annoy me. I know it was in me. the crypt. It was, yeah. So what happened was I ended up in the um, sacristy, and I asked the, the sacristan um, where they had scheduled for me. Because I was thinking about pushing to say, can I request this chapel? But I was like, I'm lucky enough to have mass in this cathedral. And this cathedral is pretty important anyways because yes. it's connected to the Vavil Castle. Yes. So it just feels like you're actually just having mass in a castle. Mm -hmm. And this is where JP2 was ordained. Uh, no, he was Correct? ordained. He was ordained in the bishop's private chapel. Oh. And he celebrated his first mass in the Vavil Cathedral okay. in the crypt. Okay. But this is where all the Polish kings and queens are buried. Yes. So there's a very huge sense of royalty. So Polish kings, Polish queens, bishops of Krakow throughout the millennia. Right. are here this is where the polish kings and queens were coronated is that where he would have been ordained a bishop yes okay okay yeah. that's what it was yeah. yeah so anyway i'm i'm greedy and, and knowing what i want but at the same time i wasn't going to push it this time around wow and so i walked into the the sacristy and asked the s sister they're like okay here's your vestments here's the english books that you need okay good and i said where am i celebrating mass because I didn't know. Nobody had told me. They just said, yes, you can have mass at this time. And um, she said, it's in the crypt. And my heart sank because I really wanted to be at St. Simon's Chapel. I believe it's the, oh, it, okay. it was St. Simon. Okay. And I was really hoping that she would say St. Simon's. And I was like, oh, man. Well, it's the crypt, whatever. I'm going to go walk through the cathedral and find St. Simon's Chapel so I can point out to the group. And then I had decided um by Wait, myself this is the morning this is morning just before you got there in right the group. so then i decided once i figure out where saint simon's chapel is as long as nobody's there i'm just going to walk up to that chapel and celebrate mass because nobody's going to stop oh, me dang so like yeah you know i was like this is what i'm going to do so uh the security guard i'm glad i know this now and yeah. not then. <laughs> so the security guard is like um I said, can you show me where this chapel is? Because I don't know how to get to it. He's like, yeah, follow me. So he walks me down through the through the cathedral, down a, into another chapel, through a stairwell. It goes downstairs in this, you know, stone basement. And there's all these tombs and crypts and stuff like that um, underneath. And then this little tiny altar. And all of the candles are lit and the books are laid out for me. And I was like, ah, oh, crap. I can't not celebrate the Mass here. Like, they lit all the candles for me, obviously prepared it for me. That's so kind. It was very kind of them. Oh, the Polish. But I'm greedy. And so I look through the books and set the books and all that fun stuff. And then I look and there's a plaque right next to it. And it says St. Simon's Crypt Chapel. 
it was on this altar that Pope John Paul II or St. John Paul II celebrated his first mass in the year and the date. And then I just started weeping (laughs) because it was this beautiful gift that the Lord had given to me that he, I didn't know this. He knew my desires. He knew what I wanted, but he gave it to me instead of me trying to force it and force take it. He handed it to me. And I had this beautiful moment before our group ever got there, just like weeping at that altar because it was this entire kind of culmination of my college ministry, everything being underneath his patronage, and then him giving me this very intimate moment, which is a gift that he knows my desires. He knows what's in the depth of my heart, the things that I haven't told anybody, but the things that I really wanted. And he gave those to me in a beautiful and intimate way. And then I got a chance to say mass on the altar where St. John Paul II celebrated his first mass. I had I had no idea that you didn't know about that until the morning of. Because I remember when we came and we mm-hmm. filed, you took us downstairs and we're walking past all of these tombs of these kings and queens from hundreds of years ago. Felt like I was, you know, I was living in an alternate reality. Like this cannot be real. And we sat down, we're preparing for mass and you get up and say, I, I would like to read to you something from JP 2s like one of his a biography. From yeah, him, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you're reading about like his ordination, how it takes place or like how one of his ordinations had, you know, taken how important the Vaval cathedral and castle were to John Paul II and his life. And, you know, we're kind of listening and, then it goes into this like poetic description of his first masses and how um, it took place amidst the tombs of the kings and queens of Poland. And when you read that, I can kind of see the rest of the pilgrims were kind of eyeing like what is surrounding us and, you know, looking at each other like, wait a second. And then you close the book in the most theatrical and dramatic way that is only your style. This is the chapel right like where we are right now this is that chapel and then you like just walked off and everyone's like what it was a mic drop moment and i you know it was effective it did after i rolled my eyes i was like (laughs) what this it was so cool it was beautiful that was a very special day yeah wow great memories i mean we and this is why like for both of us, Poland has a important place for our lives, and I think always, always will. Um, and it, yes, it's been a place of transformation, but it's a, been a place of growth. It continues to give uh, new aspects to us, um, which I think is really cool. By your story, it's just that it brings back memories, but also helps to establish new ones and kind of redeem um, the past in, mm. in the same way. And for me, it's been something that's like this affirmation that the Lord knows me better than I know myself and to trust in him that he's going to fulfill every single one of my desires and um, in, in that. So wow, I think carrying that on throughout the octave of divine mercy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. But that's going to be important for both of us. So Yes. I think those are the takeaways for today. Yeah. But um, we'll wrap it up there. I'm sure there'll be many more uh, Poland discussions and stories in in future episodes, but we're going to call it a day for that.
Thank you for joining us on The Grounded Catholic and for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and all of our stories and, and good times that Corinne and I have had in Poland. Please remember to like and subscribe uh, to The Grounded Catholic. You can find us on Apple Podcast as well as Spotify. We can also be found on our website, catholicwhos.org slash podcast. That's catholicwhos.org slash podcast. Hope that you continue to have a good and enjoyable uh, octave of divine mercy. And remember that his mercy endures forever. God bless. Thank you.